I don't care how much money someone's paying me. If I'm not enjoying something, I, I'm looking to move on. Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast, The Bold Tackle. We are your hosts, Sophie Howard and Oliver Howard, and we are ready to tackle bold topics in sport, highlight the women's football industry, and speak about the unspoken. If you are ready to get an insight into what really goes on behind the scenes, join us on our journey and listen in to The Bold Tackle. Hi and welcome back to a new episode of our podcast, The Bold Tackle. Hi Soph, lovely to see you again on screen back in the UK. Hi Oli, lovely to see you again. It's been another week and we've got a very exciting episode um, ahead of us today. Uh, we've got another guest speaker. We've got Shauna Brown on today. This is a little bit of a different one because this is the first time I'm meeting Shauna and Oli is meeting Shauna. Um, typically we've got guests that probably I've known for quite a while or you know Oli and we want to get their expertise. But in this case, um, Shauna, this might sound weird, but you got recommended to me. Um, you got put forward, uh, because I think when we speak in a minute, we will find out that there's so much more to what you do than just being a professional athlete. Um, I was just about to say former professional athlete, but you're back in the sport. Um, welcome on the podcast, Shauna. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me. And I love a little recommendation. It's like when you have a shop. I mean, I don't have a shop. But then you say, oh, about me, and it's recommended for a friend. Word of mouth is the greatest marketing tool ever. And it means somebody else likes me, which is pretty cool. You need to have a brand to be recommended, which shows uh, that you are well known. Yeah, nice. I like that, Ollie. <laughs> yeah, I think how it came about, just to give a little insight, is um, Ollie and I are quite specific about the people we want to get on. Um, we want people that are always honest, are passionate about what they do. And it's very obvious that you passionate and you don't shy away from speaking up to what you stand for and that's what we want so this is how it kind of came about um do you want to just give us a little insight obviously you're a professional rugby union player what made you come back a little bit of boredom in all honesty i'm like (laughs) next sure so i actually i retired in december 2022 and i went off to the cayman islands for four months and that was to coach rugby and to have a whole different life experience, essentially, within within my love of rugby, but to see how it was done elsewhere. And that, that was only ever going to be four months, no matter what. So as I got to the end of that, it was kind of like, when I got back to the UK, what was I going to do? And it wasn't really a plan, which is not unusual for me. I, I generally live life with not too much of a plan. I really enjoy going with the flow, and it scares some people, including my agent and my husband. They're like, how do you live like that? You don't know what you're going to do in one more time. Like, what on earth? Are you all right? Um, so, yeah, just had, had a conversation with the Harlequins coach and he, he pretty much said, like, what, what are you up to when you get back? And I thought, well, not much, to be honest. And, and he said, well, do you want to come back and give it another go for at least another season? And ultimately the answer was, yeah, go on and why not? Which is actually how I live most of my life in terms of why not? And so many people ask me, like, why why? Is your mindset like this? Why do you think like this? Why do you do this activity? Why have you taken up this new challenge? And in all honesty, a lot of the answer is is why not? And so many people can't comprehend that, that that's it. And it genuinely is so often it is just, well, why not? Is that 
one of the reasons because I I read and maybe the information is wrong, but I read you uh, were in athletics as well, uh, and you had a couple of different stations in sport. Is that why you did all these different sports, and why did you get to rugby so late in your career? Yeah, so I, I grew up doing athletics, shot put, discus, and eventually hammer throw. And the pinnacle of my career was I went to the Commonwealth Games in 2014 as a hammer thrower to represent England. Um, and then after that, it was, again, what else can I do? But a lot of it is, I I guess, sort of, of late teens, I, I realised there's a lot of opportunity out there. And then particularly being mixed race female from a single parent family, um, come from housing association, rental homes, etc. There's not, it's not supposed to be too much that I can do. Like on paper, like I'm not supposed to be achieving what, what I'm achieving. And there's so many there's so much potential, just like me, who who are not achieving. And so because of sport, and I'd say entirely because of sport, I was offered so many different opportunities. And I just got to a stage where I just said yes. And that's that's all it's taken. People have offered me, especially in the beginning, like people would come to me and say, would you like to have a go at this? Have you thought about doing this? What do you think about giving this a try? And whether that was a different sport in Highland Games, Strongwoman, Boxing, or whether that was in jobs, an apprenticeship, British gas, firefighting. I just thought, why not? Um, there's, there's there's not a reason to not do it. So like, I'll go and give it a try. And I'm very much a person who lives to, to not regret things. I've got one regret in life, and that was to not take up a scholarship to American University um, to, to be a full-time athlete at the age of, you know, 17, 18. But after that, it's... After that happened, I was like, I didn't take it and that's it, it's gone now. And I think it was probably around that time I thought I'd ju- I'll just say yes to as much as I can. Like within my capacity, not not to the point where it affects my mental health or takes away from me, but whilst I can, I, I will. And so, yeah, I've done I've done a lot ultimately just because I just say yes. It's a very strong mentality. Where did you get that from? Because hearing your background that is not normal to have such a strong mindset. Yeah, I I think a lot of it comes from mum and, and how I grew up and not to the point where she instilled those thoughts in me, but it was almost subconscious from her in terms of, like didn't, didn't have a lot of money growing up. There's there three of us and just mum at home. And there was a lot of activities during the summer, during holidays, school holidays that were available, but costs a lot of money, cost a little bit of money or free. And, and mum would always manage as much as we necessarily didn't have, like we always had food on the table. It's not like a super poverty story. It always had a, a home and, and heated and stuff. But it was, what what can she find for us to do that was either free or didn't cost a lot of money? And so I ended up doing all sorts as as a child and it would be like strange. And, and I, I went to, at the time, something called Kennington Summer Police Project. And it was a project with, with the Metropolitan Police and it was all free. And I did so many activities in those summers and broadened my horizons to how much more of a world is out there because we're, we're all guilty of it, staying within our bubbles and doing what we know and spending time with the similar types of people to us. And yeah, it was mum just essentially exposed me. Anything was free, whether I liked it or not, whether she knew about it or not, like I would be there. And so, yeah, I did, I did a lot as a child that, that was free or, or didn't cost a lot just because those those programs were out there. We spoke about um, children as well and how um, 
the more professional women's football becomes and the more money is involved, um, there's a lot of pre pressure also on kids. And um, a lot of the time, young kids grow up and they only focus on one sport. Um, they put their um, whole energy into, into one career, but they won't all make it. How important is it for you, do you think, to have done so many different th things and, and having this mindset of doing so many different things and maybe also did you grow your possibilities to become a professional and reach these highest um, achievements by focusing on different things? I like the first starting point was is working out what worked for me and doing one thing at a time, whether it's a job, whether it's sport, whether it's some other hobby. It just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work to just have one focus because I'm a person. I'm all in or I'm nothing. So, for example, if I only have or had rugby, I potentially would have a bad training session. And actually, this did happen in athletics and I'd have a bad training session or I'd have a bad competition and it would affect me for the rest of the weekend or the rest of the day. And worst case, like the rest of the week, because all I'm doing is thinking about, well, if I had better technique that day, maybe if I'd have eaten at a different time, maybe if I'd have taken a bit more caffeine or whatever it was. But that wasn't helpful for me. What I did learn is if I had something to focus on, it was time to move on. And like the, the old saying, you either win or you learn, like there's no losing when you're developing yourself and, and trying to be a better person. So it's almost not feeling sorry for myself because I have to move on. I have to go to work and, and think about the, the boiler that I'm going to fix the next time or where this radiator's going to go um, in this person's house. This person doesn't care that I had a rubbish competition yesterday. What they care about is they want some central heating. So it was that part early, I'd say early 20s when, when I was always working full time and had my sport when I realized I can't let this affect the rest of my life as in the rest of my day, the rest of my week. And so I needed different focuses. Um, and then I has it helped me do what I do now? 100% yes, because... I, I didn't know rugby existed growing up. It was nothing I knew about, didn't do it at school, no one in my family, nothing like that. And that just saying yes to things is where it comes from. And if you'd have asked me 10 years ago, what would you be doing in 10 years? Like rugby wouldn't even come into it. And I'd probably not even say professional sport because it wasn't it wasn't a thing back then. And, and women doing it full time was, was certainly not anything I'd, I'd, I'd dream of. Um, so yeah, definitely doing different sports because the reason I was able to transition into rugby so quickly was within I started playing rugby in 2015 and less than two years later I was playing for England so I it, it's the it's the foundation I had the foundations before with athletics it's not just I just magically got good and and you know within two years playing for England it was because I could run because I could catch because I could throw because I had the discipline and the mental side and the ability to switch from from a good place to to just being good for myself and being able to take myself from a bad place and, and like getting comfortable in the dark place in the deep hole and you know well with football and rugby it's like you just have to have nothing left and still be able to give to your team particularly on a match day um so yeah there was so much of that I I've been preparing for it for years and years without really realizing it. Um, and there's for me, there's so many base sports that that could bounce elsewhere, and it's gymnastics, trampoline, and even sprinting. That if you do those, 
you can you can do anything. And potentially at the same time, if it, if it works for you and your schedule and your capacity, then cool. But if not, you can do one after the other. But w- when I do have children, I'll certainly be encouraging them to do loads of different sports for as long as possible. Did you think, or would you agree, this is just my perspective, that you developed this professional athlete mindset before you went into rugby? So you already, you spoke about the physical foundations, but it's very obvious that you had the mental foundations as well to climb the ladder so quickly and be so successful, even though you'd only been only been in the sport for two years. Yeah, for sure. The the, the mental side of things was, was something that I also already had. And it was even just, I say it's just simple, because they are simple for me because I've done it for so long. The logistics of planning your day and make it sure that you've got all of the kit. So I used to work for British Gas and, and go around in my van and making sure I've got the change of clothes to go straight to training, making sure I've got the sports bra, which as a me, I could not have a training session without a sports bra. Um, the change of trainers, the food, the packed lunch, like I would just have a big box of food every day in my van for I'd have to eat throughout the day and, and eat before training, etc. So even even the logistics side, I was used to rushing around to fit as many things into my day as possible. But then also, also like you say, the more is the conventional stuff of having the, the mental resilience to be able to be told no and, and still want to keep going or your body physically breaks down and you think you've got nothing left. And then your teammate says, sure, come on, like we've got to go and you're right, right <laughs> up and go again. Um, yeah, so so certainly that was probably the biggest asset that I brought over to rugby from an individual sport to team sports is just how much as an individual we're capable of and if we can have 15 superhumans on one rugby team, it's going to make a super special rugby team. I think this is a good time to talk about the topic of body composition with you as well because we spoke it, about it in one of our previous episodes and Soph said how she had to change her body to get the most out of her body for football and that she needed to tweak 1% changes to get where she is now. So you focused on so many different sports. How did you deal with that and, and with your body? So it's, I've come from sports where almost bigger is better um, and rugby in particular, I say bigger is better, it's bigger is better for me and my position and, and my skill set. There's so many different body shapes on a rugby pitch at, at one time and, and I'll always mention like our scrum half, number nine and depending what day of the week it is and how much I've eaten, sometimes she's half my body weight and about a foot shorter than me. And she is just as needed as I am. And the wingers, they're the fast ones and they run around people. And I can't run around anyone. I couldn't run around a tree. I sort of still run into it, even if it's static. But we need wingers and we need me. If you had 15 wingers on the pitch, boring game of rugby, you had 15 of me on a pitch, boring game, like you need everyone. And so the positions that I've played in rugby, my size has been celebrated and actively encouraged and, I guess also being older in rugby, when there has been conversations around body composition, there's a part of me that is almost not scared to to tell someone, I don't I don't want to be smaller or I don't want to have lower percentage. Like I'm I'm good, I'm happy, and I don't care what your science says. Like this is me, this is my body, and that's a hard conversation for an 18 19 year old to have who's just come into a squad who's trying to make it but 
no, that wasn't my situation. I was I was a grown adult and particularly when I was a few years in, because when I first came in, like all the science around playing it, it wasn't really a thing in rugby. It wasn't as professional as it's becoming now. Um, but like I say, my, my size has, has been celebrated and partly because of the sports I've chosen. And, and if we take it back to when I was younger as, as an athlete, the biggest, and it's, it's not necessarily body composition. Well, I suppose it is, it's, it's strength. So I had to get stronger and, and bigger and stronger is fine because when, when you look at shot putters, discus throwers, hammer throwers, like a lot of people are, are huge. They're, they're, they're literally huge. They're tall, they're wide, they're heavy. And so I was, I was born heavy. I was born 10 pounds. So I was always going to be a big in. <laughs> and I found sports that, that suited my body type. And I, and I don't know if that was on purpose or maybe that was subconscious. I'm, I'm not sure, but. To be fair, I did also want to be a ballerina when I was at primary school. And the school entertained me and let me go for trials, bless them. So uh, that's a good thing. <laughs> I went for trials and they politely said, no, and that's okay. <laughs> because again, I was probably twice the size of anyone that they had in their intake. Um, so yeah, I just sort of found my way to sports where the bigger, the better, but I can't imagine what it'd be like to be a footballer who's running probably 15k a week without a game and being told that you must lose weight or even like a sprinter or hurdler because a lot of our gym like most other sports is it the only thing that I've not done is um fits around your body and and I don't I don't know how I would cope I probably would just change sports to be honest because I've I've always sort of enjoyed being bigger and stronger than everyone so to find a sport that embrace or sports that embrace that was a uh, don't know how it happened probably subconsciously but that's a nice view to have because on the one hand talking about ballet you're realistic and you you know what's suitable and what maybe is not on the other hand you've got that aspect of breaking boundaries no i am happy with the body i am i have and i will give my best and on the other hand work on your strength and finding the sport that suits you best yeah, and, and it's understandable because even when you spoke about like the football and one percenters, if Sophie, if you spent the last 10, 15 years of your life trying to be the best footballer and all of a sudden someone tells you your skin folds are, are five points too high, like it's not easy to just say, okay, I'll change sports. Like I, I get that bit, um, but it, then it's just trying to almost take that information in and say, all right, cool, but I'm still going to do football. I'm going to try my best, but I'm still going to do football and it's uh like I understand that, like I say, I'm bigger, I'm taller, heavier than most women. But if I want to do something, I I will. And one of my examples is boxing. So somebody offered me the opportunity for boxing, and I eventually had a, a professional boxing match. But even my I probably lost about fifteen kilos in that eight weeks I was training. It was a very bizarre experience. But I had about eight weeks of training, and then had a fight, and I lost so much weight so quickly. But that because of the sport, because of the nature of training, because of how often, etc. But even the thought of being like an 85 kilo woman in boxing, that's not far off a men's heavyweight. So although I'd busted my guts for weeks and weeks, I'd lost so much weight by accident, but like it wasn't, it was never, you have to lose weight. It just happened with the training. But even then I was still essentially super heavy as, as a woman's category um, 
But then even for a man, I was pushing close to, to, to the heavyweight category. And it's kind of, like you say, almost a bit of realism from me. Um, but realizing that it just then wasn't the sport for me. But just embracing what, what you've got. But understanding it's it's hard to just to just change it. I, I very much know that I'm I know I'm unique like that and I just go, Oh, do you know what? I've had enough, I'm moving on. But I think the biggest thing for me is you're performing. The sports that you competed in, you're performing at the body shape, the body size, the weight, the height, the the, the physics, everything you're performing. And for me that should be the focus. Um, in our episode where we discussed body composition, I was talking about from the outside, people that have no clue, by the way, they're like oh, she looks bulky, should she not lose weight? Oh, she spent time in the gym. And I'm like, hold on, this woman or this girl, whoever it is, she's performing. That's the only thing that should matter. And that's what we were speaking about. Obviously, we were also addressing like the lack of knowledge and expertise in like the sports science department if they don't address it the right way, especially with younger girls coming through, where it's a very tricky topic, I think. Um, in football, with the increase in visibility, there's a lot of, scrutinizing there's a lot of the golden standard what a football player and probably a rugby player should look like but forget as long as you're performing and you're injury free and you're doing everything you can let people be and let them perform the way they are yeah and the bit that that troubles me and you touched on it is even if you are performing some some people some staff will say ah but if you was five kilos lighter you could perform even better and you just, you just, just leave me alone. But again, I'm at the age where I just go, oh, just go away. But a, a younger girl coming through, I think, oh, like they said I could perform better if I lose weight, so I must lose weight. And actually, that's not that's not good for them. And so they just stop eating and lose weight. And they're not going to tell anyone that they've stopped eating. But then the next time they do skinnies or or weigh themselves, they're lighter or the skin fold numbers lower. And then it's celebrated. And they don't know, like you said, even though they're in the system, they don't know the whole story. They don't know that she's only eating one meal a day and she's dying during every session because you're now celebrating that she's smaller. So she's going to keep acting that way. And equally, like literally on TV, when they comment on on physical looks and say, oh, like they're looking a lot trimmer these days. And you think you don't know anything. All you know is what you see, that that's not necessarily a good thing. They could look a lot trimmer because they've gone through the worst six months of their life in terms of stress and family or, or, or whatever situation has been so yeah it's it's not as much as I don't like it when people comment on unnecessarily size and being big but equally I don't like it when people comment on getting smaller because you don't know why they're smaller and it can harm your body more yeah if it's like I'm so I sit here at 102 kilos 101 which on any chart says I'm massively overbeast and I could probably lose about 10-15 kilos and still look healthy even then, that's like 85, 90 kilos. That's still horribly heavy for a woman. And a chart would probably tell me I need to be 70. If I was 70 kilos, I'd be able to walk and just fall over all the time. I wouldn't have to me to the floor. Like, just think, well, go away. I'd really like eating as well. Oh, same. But then, say you were 70 kilos, you could not perform the way you do. And the way you have for many, many years. And this is always where it baffles me. Someone that has performed consistently for many, many years, I think they kind of know what they're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And once you've got a certain experience in the sport and 
when you're a certain age as well and your body's been a certain way for, for so many years, you, you learn to, to work with it and for good or for ill, it's, it is what it is. And there's so much in, particularly in women's sport. And like you said, so the research is, is almost primarily around men's sport and the men's body and men's performance. So please don't judge me on that. Like judge me for, for the body that I am and accept that, that men and women are different and we are categorically not just small men. Yes. You touched on the topic of body image a little bit as well um, and how players or athletes see themselves and maybe try to be skinnier. Do you think the whole topic of social media has made it so much worse? Short answer, yes. Um, but I, I think the in, in my world, and not just in terms of sporting, but in terms of my, my friendship circles, the people I'm around, the men, the women, the, the the young people, actually, thick. You call it that thick body is is now celebrated more, and and the skinny is not, is not cool. And and again, if I if I lost thirty odd kilos, my husband would be fuming. He's just <laughs> like there's nothing to hold, and so it, it depends what what kind of circles you move in, and, and down literally down to what kind of accounts you follow. But actually, I, like overall, because even even the thickness, some people are not meant to be a certain shape and size. So it, it's detrimental either way sometimes. But it, there's obviously a lot of good sides to social media and things around ideas. And maybe you do want to lose a little, maybe you want to put a bit on. And there's loads of ideas around how you can do that. What I detest is is the lies and the filters and people talk about the transformations and it's all because of their diet, but actually they're taking certain pills or they've had certain operations and like that that's the bit I, I hate. Um but yeah, in terms of being skinny, it, it, it depends it depends what circles you move in as to, to what is what is celebrated. And actually, especially like for men's side as well, like being skinny is not celebrated, I would suggest. And if you've got a skinny man, like they're under pressure to be bigger, to be stronger. Like imagine me with a, a smaller man and it's he he would straight away be under pressure to, well, your woman's bigger than you. Like that can be hard. Bless him, husband, poor Ben, he's bigger and, and heavier than, sometimes actually I'm heavier than him, which he hates, but he's always taller than me. And so it is understanding it both ways that, that men are under a pressure too, to, to essentially be bigger than a woman. And, and like I say, I'm five foot 10 and 102 kilos. It's not, it's not too many out there that, that are bigger than me. Maybe the the message here is to be happy with the body you have and and to to use it in the way which is best for you your mental health but yeah. also for for the sport for the performance side. Yeah, and I'd say even around friendship circles, social circles, put yourself in in a place that celebrates you as a person. If you are around friends, and if you are a smaller person, and you're around friends who are bigger and thicker. That, that's fine, but if it's if it's the only thing you talk about when you're together, or it's the first thing you talk about every time, that's probably not the best emotional space for you. And um, so yeah, just finding finding the people who like they'll say hello, Ollie, hello, Sophie, well, how's life? Not oh, Ollie, you're looking a bit small these days. Oh, Sophie, oh, you're <laughs> big. Like you imagine, like for some people, that's the first thing they say to their to their friends if they've not seen them for a few months. And for me, that that's toxic. I would not want to be in that kind of friendship circle. And not only friends, I think it's family as well. So relatives I haven't seen in a while. 
The yeah. common I always get is, oh, you've lost weight. And I'm like, no, actually, I haven't. I've actually gained a kilo, but I've lost um, body fat or whatever. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. just like, what does that matter? What does that <laughs> actually matter? Yeah. <laughs> Hello, nice to see you. <laughs> Unless you're on a weight loss journey and you need to celebrate that and you would put that out there and, and people need that celebration sometimes. But if you're not, you're just, you're just doing you. You're playing football. Go away. Yeah, but most exactly. of the most of the times I find people comment on other people's bodies that aren't happy with their own. Yeah. So just keep that message for yourself. You don't need to ask me how I feel because I'm great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we're coming to the end of the episode, unless so if you have another question. Um, Shauna, what would your message be to young athletes starting out? Uh, I thought it was going to be another half, half of the question there. Yeah. <laughs> I was um, waiting for the second half. <laughs> but for me, young athletes starting out would be do do as much as you can, as in as many sports, as much variety as you can for as long as you can. And, and particularly at a certain age, don't don't take things too seriously. Like do do your best. And if you want to be an elite athlete, you have to become obsessed with, with a sport. It doesn't say you can't do other things around it. But if you want to be a footballer, you have to be, and not even just a footballer, if you want to be a goalkeeper, a defender, you have to become obsessed with being a goalkeeper. You have to be looking up, watching who's the best goalkeeper, what drills are they doing, what kind of training. So being obsessed with the sport, but equally you can still do other things around that. Um, and enjoyment, even as an adult, is such a different in sessions for us at rugby when we enjoy it and when we don't and so many people think like you get to a certain level and you just don't enjoy it and you just have to do it because it's your job actually enjoyment is still such a key I, I don't care how much money someone's paying me if I'm not enjoying something I I'm looking to move on um, so yeah just do as much as you can for as long as you can enjoy the sport enjoy the people you're around and if you don't then then look to make some changes and in your case don't get bored don't get bored. Yeah. And there's different for everyone. <laughs> if you get bored, it's time to move on. <laughs> uh, well, we were just laughing because you just said, oh, enjoyment. And Ollie always asked me, I'll say, how long are you still playing for? Because I'm 30 now. Football, what would you say? About 34, 35, kind of, depending on family plans. And I'm always like, Ollie, the moment I stop enjoying it, that's when I'm going to hang up my boots. Yeah. That's when I'm done. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So really it. nice to hear that from you as well, actually. Oh, you see, someone else is like me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for all your insights. I think there were some great messages out there for, for young kids and, and athletes. So yeah, thank you for taking the time. No worries. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. And you are always welcome back if you ever wanted to chat again. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So thank you for everyone else listening in again. And we'll hope to see you soon. See you next week, everyone. Bye-bye.